Like, could you imagine if the left had anything close to something like this in terms of infrastructure? I don't mean to steal elections. I mean as in getting leftists elected in local elections. It is very easy to do because local elections have zero voter turnout. They're like, they're abysmal. It's like 15% and they affect your life, especially police budgets, so much. So if there was media figures of, of the same size of a Steve Bannon, say you had like a Hassan who was consistently like trying to push for everyone to like set up networks, set up channels, set up organizations, connect with each other. And then once this uh, next election cycle comes, everyone help each other, promote this and do all this kind of stuff. This is what Steve Bannon is doing in conjunction with Neil Reactionaries, full on fascists and Christian nationalists. But the guy is trying to steal American democracy from its very foundations. It's wild. That constitutes a good night. Do you acknowledge, though, that all the data seems to point in the other direction? Oh, look, I think the poll you just showed uh, shows it's it's basically tied with the numbers in 2018, which, if I recall, was a pretty good year for Democrats. I think this race is razor close. And I think everybody who cares about the extremism in this MAGA movement, the racism, the anti-Semitism, so in terms of where the uh, aggregate data is as of now, uh, this has increased dramatically. So it's almost like with absolute certainty that the Republicans are going to take the House. And the Senate is still razor thin, but the Republicans have now taken the lead over the Democrats to win it by a very, very slight margin. Again, this could be anyone's race. You never know how it's going to play out, especially in the key battlegrounds for the Senate. Uh, and some of the some of the matchups are ones that, you know, it could go either way. The Dr. Oz one, for example, Herschel Walker is another example. Uh, it'll be interesting to see. Guessing Herschel Walker wins and then maybe Fetterman wins, but very slight margin there. The violence needs to get out and vote. I feel a good momentum. We're going to take back the House. I focus on two numbers, five and one. Five to take back the House, one to take back Would the Senate. Would you do both? I think, yeah, I do think we will win both. Take back the House and the Senate. I think we'll take back the House. DeSantis is more dangerous than Trump? Oh, I agree. I, I'm, I'm well well of the mind that DeSantis is, is scarier than Trump to me, uh, mainly because he is ideologically driven and he does actually have a crusade against LGBTQ plus people, uh, whereas Trump just puts on uh, a facade of that. Like, I don't think he genuinely in his heart of heart uh, hates gay people to the same degree that Ron DeSantis does or is at least scared of them. He used to just be like, remember, Trump was a New York kind of like, you know, centrist uh, construction lib who's pro um, pro choice and a handful of other things, and as he wanted to take over the Republican Party, they both kind of reshaped each other in their images, right? The party in the White House usually loses during midterms, but the reality is we saw the very what can the left do when the Dems lose? Well, here's the thing you got to remember. Because, yes, prepare tomorrow. Uh, obviously, get out and vote uh, and encourage your friends and family to get out and vote as well. That's obviously uh, what one of the priorities should be on, on an election day is go vote. But remember that elections are one of the tools. You will get a lot more power in uh, unionizing your workforce uh, for your day-to-day -day life than you will uh, if uh, your House representative happens to be a Republican or a Democrat. Um, and that's the, the reality of the situation. So, you know, working on things like direct action, working on things like worker solidarity, working on things like mutual aid. Mutual aid, by the way, is not just like you do a, a little charity stream or something. It's trying to make other people less reliant on systems that failed them. Uh, so, you know, helping them out with food uh, drives. Um, I can tell you this because I do, I do the monthly um, Democratic Socialists of Vancouver food uh, restocking it's um it's a very satisfying thing to to you know get a whole bunch of uh, uh non-perishable goods deliver them to food pantries around your town stuff like Clean that but all of this all of this happens to be like i said voting is i i'm definitely not one of the people who thinks just don't vote because it's pointless i think that is very very foolish because then politics becomes the realm of republicans and liberals neoliberals republicans and that is basically the cycle that goes back and forth um but there are exceptions to that rule like I've heard, um, oh, actually, no, I, I completely agree with the assessment that under capitalism, there isn't really real American democracy, right? Like, uh, both parties are, are, are corporate parties, and they're backed by different massive corporations. I mean, the U.S. is kind of like, you know, 400 companies in a trench coat kind of thing. So the Republicans get all the money from oil and gas sectors because they don't uh, openly believe or acknowledge climate change. And uh, the Democrats usually get a lot of money from, say, Silicon Valley tech sectors, um, uh, so both parties uh, will work in opposition to passing legislation that will directly benefit the people um, and directly represent the people 
in the interests of these co corporate lobbies, lobbyists and corporations. That's a, a sad reality. There are exceptions to that. You'll see that in the form usually of progressives, people who come forward and say, I do not take any super PAC donations. I don't take any corporate funding. Uh, I'm doing this grassroots, strictly 100%, uh, you know, uh, individual donor funded uh, because I don't want to be beholden to corporations. I want to be beholden to you, the people. That's the idea behind that. Independence can win sometimes. Shama Sawant is a very good example. She's an out and proud socialist. She's one of the reasons there was a $15 minimum wage uh, in Seattle, why there's rent freezes in Seattle, uh, stuff like that. So there are exceptions. It's not as if democracy is 100% gone under capitalism. So participate. Get out there. Vote. Uh, do as much uh, harm reduction as you can in that respect, especially if you don't happen to be part of a lot of the groups that are being openly targeted, uh, such as, of course, LGBTQ plus people, people of color, women, uh, marginalized communities. All these groups, the Republicans are now just open and brazenly going full Christian nationalists. They're marching towards fascism and a fucking speed run, okay? Fasci the hedgehog, uh, hedgehog just going as quickly as they can to get there. Um, so... It is imperative that you, even if you hate them, even if it makes you feel dirty and greasy inside, you try to reduce the harm that could be inflicted upon those groups. Uh, I, I would say abstaining or, or voting for someone who has no earthly chance of winning in your in your writing, um, unfortunately, just won't cut it. Um, because even if you aren't like trans or you don't have trans kids or you don't even have trans friends or trans relatives, uh, but you care about trans rights, uh, you should understand that Republicans coming into power are trying to make trans people not exist anymore. That that seems to be what they are doing through legislation, uh, through the harming and endangerment of trans kids. Uh, so that that's one party that is effectively doing that. Um, it's it's not enough just to be like uh, the system's broken. Oh, uh, I, I don't know what yeah. to do. All that kind of stuff. You ha you have to take uh, a stance. Dead in the scene. Thank you for subscribing with the Prime. I have hoped that between women, BIPOC voters, millennials, and Gen Z, we will hold off the GOP from taking the House and the Senate. Too much is at stake. I, I will say that I think it's almost a certainty they're going to take the House. What is really in play for tomorrow and the, the, the one piece of hope is that the Democrats could could maintain the Senate. Could, yeah. Salt Lake City Council voted on a fa uh, in favor of a project to build a small community of tiny homes for people experiencing chronic homelessness and a project that organizers hope could be a model for other cities based... The organization behind the effort is the Other Side Village, which is now the process of many building permits. Oh, by the way, all the people who are always getting so fucking mad about um, crime waves and, well, we've got to talk about crime, crime. We've got to talk about these homeless people. There's homeless, there's bums all over the city. They're disgusting. They smell like urine. They're doing drug, uh, drug. Um, those same people, if they genuinely care about this, I, I want to see them participating in these kind of initiatives. If you're like, I... Look outside, and I see homelessness, and it disgusts me, and, and, and we have to bring it to a stop. Like, your, if your solution is, like, I want more cops, because then they can go hurt the homeless people, that's really grim. You, you should be doing a project like this, so they have permanent housing, you know? The community will initially feature 60 fully equipped cottage-style homes, split into smaller neighborhoods of 30 homes that will have a bodega, and plans to start a donut shop and a succulent plant arrangement business. <laughs> so nice. These stores will provide employment opportunities for the villagers so they can become financially self-sufficient while connecting them with the surrounding community. This is so based. Oh, man. Uh, this would not fly in Vancouver because of the incredibly high rate of drug uh, use that we have, uh, but we still need a housing for a solution. I'm just saying... Not that we shouldn't do this, but something as idealistic as this, the city would shut... There's so many fucking uh, NIMBYs in, in Vancouver. Like, they would protest this. They would they would take to the streets. It, like, in the same way that they should be taking to the streets to, you know, end homelessness or something like that, they would be like, yeah, not in my city. No, they're disgusting. I will not be uh, in a community with them. A strong pathway, not just to keeping the Senate, but really picking up seats in Philadelphia, excuse me, in Pennsylvania. And oh, God, come on. Like, I, I, I hope, I hope beyond hope that you maintain that that little 50, 51 would even be amazing, 52, incredible. But, like, it, it could also be 48. It could also be 46. Who, who knows how this is going to swing? And in places like Wisconsin and North Carolina, this election still is in the balance. And the reality is we're bucking what are usual trends. And even though our economy is tough, people think about it and say, wait a minute, this is the party trying to protect unions. This is the party that made sure we did things to lower prescription drug costs and lower health care costs, that this is the party at the end of the day that's trying to protect fundamental freedoms like the right to control your own body. So I think that this is a tough election season. It's a midterm election. 
Uh, but I still see a pathway for us to maintain control of the Senate. If Republicans take over uh, the House and Senate, how do they work with President Biden? Well, first, I think they will both have majorities. And I think the statement on Tuesday is going to be pretty clear. And I think there will be a uh, larger majority in the House than people may have thought a few months ago. And I think there'll be a clear majority in the Senate. And this is going to be a wake-up call to President Biden, and I hope he answers it. Can you get 52 Senate seats without oh, Pennsylvania? Have a great night. Yeah, can you do it without Pennsylvania? We're going to get 52 plus. Oh, we're going to win. We're going to win Pennsylvania. I understand you we're believe win you Wisconsin. are. Wisconsin. Do you believe you're going to get to 52? Can you get it without it? Oh, absolutely. I, th I mean, look. Here's where we are right now. We're going to win. We're going to win Wisconsin. Ron Johnson's running. Great. Just looking at them all now, like all the lineups. J.D. Vance, which is basically one of Peter Thiel's orchestrators, is part of Peter Thiel's big project to try and create uh, a monarchy, like turn or rever revert uh, America into a monarchy. Um, well, I guess that technically wouldn't be America. Revert Britain, too, into a monarchy. Britain and France, too. Um, but, like, he's putting so much money into J.D. Vance's campaign. This one is uh, an unfortunate... I, I still have a feeling I think John Fetterman's going to win. I'm just going to put hope into this one race. I think Fetterman's going to win. I think Herschel Walker is going to win Georgia. Um, the rest of these aren't as much of a toss-up as you think, right? Like Marco Rubio is going to win. Blake Masters is probably going to win. Maggie Hassan, maybe. Great race. First off, let's stop and think about it. We have great candidates. People are showing up to vote. There's no energy on the Democrat side. The, the Did you just say there's no energy? Because this feels like no energy right now. <laughs> we have good candidates and people are going to vote. That's what we're selling. We have great candidates. People are showing up to vote. There's no energy on the Democrat side. You just said there's no energy. Oh, my God. <laughs> the, this, this election is about the Biden agenda. People don't like high inflation, high crime, open borders, fentanyl. That's what we're talking about. So... Uh, Mehmet Oz is going to win. Ted Budd's going to win. Herschel Walker's going to win. Uh, we're Adam Laxalt's going to win. I think we have a really good shot in. This guy is like the crypt keeper. Like I, I just I feel like he's haunting my stream. I, I can't allow it for this. Okay, tomorrow is the midterm elections in America, and I feel some tension and some fear, and I understand that. Um, I uh, as I've already stated, I believe that the House is going to go to the Republicans. Uh, the Senate, it's a toss up, but I mean, there's a possibility as of right now that it could also go to the Republicans. What's scarier to me is the fact that what is left, the fragile crumbs of democracy in America are being eroded in real time. You have two parties in this duopoly uh, that is American politics. One of the two parties for uh, democracy to function has to accept a general principle. That general principle is that in an election, regardless of the outcome, you accept the results of the election. Without that, if that goes away, you no longer have democracy. And this is coming at a time when Republicans are speed running towards fascism. Remember, because people use this word a lot and it's been thrown around, it's not gonna be diluted of all meaning. For fascism to rise, for a Mussolini or a Hitler, and to be honest, historically, a lot of the events taking place in America are a little bit more similar to uh, the rise of uh, Mussolini and fascism in Italy. Um, it requires a handful of conditions. It requires a economic downturn. It requires room. inflation. It requires a recession. And then it requires a strong man uh, to come along and to vilify and uh, marginalize uh, groups to try and explain why these things are happening. It's not uh, the failures of capitalism or the system itself. It happens to be the immigrants. And it's the culture, which is degenerate uh, because of uh, LGBTQ plus people, trans people, gay people, uh, and they are eroding the very culture itself. So we need to uh, oppress them. We need to restore uh, tradition and values and morals from the good old times. We'll hearken to a mythological time and uh, we'll make America great again. And so it's really scary. Because now we are living in a, a time where they're very proud of all this. They're openly stating it. Uh, they are uh, calling themselves Christian nationalists. Uh, they are completely fine removing the bodily autonomy of women, uh, completely fine removing the bodily autonomy of trans men, uh, of non-binary people who give birth. They're completely fine with all of that. Uh, they're completely fine targeting trans people, targeting trans kids, uh, and, and vilifying them, going after them. They're pretty much through their legislation and their rhetoric now openly calling for trans people not to exist at all. That's 
that's that's the stage that we're at. Um, you know, Matt Walsh. You might think Matt Walsh is an extremist. You might think Matt Walsh is, uh, you know, definitely on the furthest side of the theocratic fascists. He's also on the largest streaming platform, Spotify, talking to Joe Rogan and spreading his hate speech. This stuff is becoming normalized so rapidly, and it's happening in real time, and liberals are not fit to meet the occasion. That's the other fucked up thing, is that neoliberalism, liberal ideology in general, they're not understanding this. They don't understand how if people's material conditions aren't met, they are far more susceptible to giving in to all this ideology, to, to, to suddenly being like, oh, wow, what's going on? Everyone keeps saying that Republicans are destroying American democracy. This is a coordinated attack on our democracy. 21st century Jim Crow assault is real. Like, obviously this isn't a great sign for our democracy. Things got really nasty and violent, but ultimately our democracy held, right? Democrats say that the GOP is retooling the voting system in their favor. It's anti-democratic. They, they are, are. Quite literally trying to dismantle democracy. Like, should we actually be terrified about the future of American democracy? And yes. what exactly am I afraid of here? Like, what is actually the threat? And we're going to the Capitol. So much of this is caught up in, like, polarizing, vague political rhetoric. To get to the bottom of this, I asked for help from Michelle Cottle, a seasoned political reporter who's written for a bunch of top publications, who's covered elections of every type, from presidential all the way down to like local school boards. She's now on the Times editorial board and is probably one of the best people to help line me out on how freaked out I need to be about American democracy. Hi, how's it going? Good, how are you doing? Michelle brought me deep into the plumbing of American democracy, something I hadn't ever seen before. She showed me something that changed the way I see my country. Something playing out in the darkest corners of American politics. A quiet mobilization of money by people who are fighting to reclaim what they believe was stolen from them. And who are seeking to change not only who can vote in this country, but who counts those votes. An attempt to reshape our election system without any of us really knowing. Ultimately, Michelle showed me that yes, I should be pretty damn scared about the future of our democracy, but not for the reasons I expected. Why wouldn't they make all the machines available immediately? Republicans in Congress are spreading yeah. conspiracy theories. You gotta contest every ballot. This election was a fraud. My big question has been, like, how real is this threat? Like, how worried should we actually be about this? So when people think of threats to democracy, usually the first place they go is voter suppression, in part because it's just the easiest to explain. This map shows all of the states that have passed laws that make it harder to vote in recent years. There's like dozens of these laws since 2020. These laws are all over the place. You can shrink the time window for applying for... Two reasons. One, less people voting favors uh, Republicans. Two, uh, people in marginalized communities typically aren't the ones who are going to be voting uh, Republican on average. So if you uh, oppress or suppress uh, black voters, indigenous voters, boom, there you've got yourself a little recipe for trying to maintain and control power. Or absentee ballots. Making it harder to find drop boxes where you can, like, submit your vote. Tighten requirements for voter ID. Making it easier to purge registration so that people have to re-register. And, like... Non-Americans are always so astounded to hear these horror stories where it's like, hey, I had to wait to vote like six hours. Like six hours? What do you do? Where do you poop? How does this work? Because in Canada and a lot of Europe, it takes me less than five minutes. And, and voting is like employers have to have to give you a period of time, a grace period to be able to go vote. I think it's two hours minimum. Maybe it's three hours minimum. I mean, they really should just give you five minutes. But either way, they have to do that. There's polling stations all around you. Mail-in voting is incredibly simple and easy. Early voting is, is frequent and easy as well and there's just like there's stations everywhere like to me democracy is like it's a five minute task of my day you know it takes me actually longer sometimes to like just read what the other funny answers potential candidates are running that i didn't even think were running in my election but in america th there was such a strong effort to try and suppress this that is fundamentally undemocratic and snacks and making it harder to vote early general confusion around voting to make it as unpleasant and difficult to vote as humanly possible. But hold on a second. This used to really confuse me. Why would 
a political party want to make fewer people vote? Like, how does that help the Republicans? Well, it turns out that the logic here is that if it's it takes longer to, for Lance to unmute. True. True. Easier to vote. Lower income Americans, minorities, young people who usually vote in lower numbers will turn out in higher numbers and vote for Democrats. So the GOP is making it harder to vote so they can win elections. That is the conventional wisdom here. Turns out that this logic is a little bit simplistic and it often has an unintended effect or the opposite happens of what people are expecting. Political scientists have been studying this recently. And these studies have been finding that even though both parties kind of take this assumption for granted, that easier voting benefits Democrats, that's not Made always the case. And that it can often Salad be noodles, the opposite. Thank you. Like this study from the University of Utah that shows that more mail-in voting actually benefits Republicans. Huh? What? That doesn't make any sense. Isn't it the Republicans that are voting all these voter suppression laws? In the last couple of years, Virginia has gone the opposite. Chronic 989, thank you for the prime. The direction of voter suppression. They passed laws to make it easier to vote. And what we saw last year was that voters turned out at a vastly higher rate than they had in probably two decades. And Republicans swept the statewide offices and they took back the House of Delegates. So it was the exact. Even if that's the result, I still feel that that's the only path forward. You have to make it as easy and accessible as possible for people to vote. Inverse of what people expect in these situations. Remember last March when President Biden called Georgia's restrictive voting laws? Jim Crow 2.0. And yet, this last summer's primaries, the first election since these laws were passed, went really smoothly. And early voting surged. At the end of the day, like, this voter suppression stuff is maybe overblown and not that important. So let's not let the GOP off the hook here. This mission to erect barriers is anti-democratic. These laws are appalling and, and frankly, racist. But the laws are unpredictable <laughs> and can also wind up discouraging Republican voters to turn out as well. Does that? But then there is direct examples, like make no mistake, of how this directly impacts the indigenous people. For example, if you require, you need to have a fixed home address, if there's people who live on reserves in which the state technically owns the land and their addresses will not be this, uh, operate in the same way, they won't have voter ID cards the same way that non-people living on uh, reservations would have, then yes, you are directly impacting the ability for indigenous people in that case to vote in that election cycle. Same thing applies to a lot of black people. These, dis these disproportionately affect people of color. I mean, that's been well documented. That the death of democracy is kind of just overblown here and that we shouldn't actually be that worried? Oh, no, 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 no. I did not say that. I just said that voter suppression efforts aren't as predictable and sometimes not as effective as people fear they are. But there is something else going on. Something that way fewer people are paying attention to, in part because it's unsexy, tedious, complicated, boring and generally taking place way down the political food chain at the state level and even the hyper local level frankly anytime i hear local politics like i know we're supposed to pay attention to it but i kind of like start to fall asleep it's like not where i want to pay my attention but this is what should really tick you off and scare the holy living out of you it has less to do with controlling who can vote and everything to do with who decides which votes actually count. And this is where Michelle pointed me in a different direction, away from fixating on voter suppression, and instead encouraging me to look deeper into the very plumbing of the American voting system. This space that most of us have never really looked at. So welcome to our incredibly decentralized State, yeah. voting system in America. It's where you vote. It's where your votes are counted. It's the poll work. Like, it's probably going to blow a couple non-Americans' minds, but uh, th there's not one Secretary of State. There's the Secretary of State, but then there's the Secretaries of State. Workers and that's that's where things get much, county much commissioners And election boards and Secretaries of State that certify results. Most of us don't know anything about this. Because honestly, most of us want this version of politics. The 2020 <laughs> 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 Bring it up. But it's down here where the votes are. Pokemon go to the polls. Where we meet the people who count those votes. The government officials you've never thought about. A county clerk in New Mexico. A precinct officer in Michigan. A secretary of state in Nevada. Honestly, if Hillary Clinton wants to have a crumb of respect for me, I want to see her pull out the bomb from her purse and swig the entire thing back. That's the only thing she can do.
and then she'll get a crumb of respect from me. It has to be the bomb, and she has to drink the entire thing. And no, not that Secretary of State. Every state has a Secretary of State, and it is way less sexy than international diplomacy. But yeah, according to Michelle, this is where the action is. Yeah, where the and, and do it as a cake sin. On our democracy is happening. Trump's great gift as a top-notch demagogue is getting people fired up to believe whatever he- The bomb is basically uh, the worst hot sauce, I think, on the planet. It's a combination of both being insanely, insanely spicy and disgusting. It, it, it's like, I, I whenever they were crafting it, it's like, we want to make it as unpalatable as possible. It's going to be the spice, one of the spiciest hot sauces ever made and also be revoltingly bad simultaneously. He tells them is true. That like there's, there's obscenely spicy sauces that are so tasty. I love like ghost pepper sauces because ghost pepper has this really good smoky taste to it. But like Mad Dog 3, 357, it's, it's insane and it's delicious. Like the, but the bomb is so gross. Gets really dark. Yeah, Dave's Insanity Sauce is good. If you want to understand it, you're going to have to stick with me as we dive into this system. Because it's this system that is being infiltrated by an army of Trump-supporting Americans. By the way, this is the scariest thing about all this, is that, like, people always, like, you're told in the media, like, oh, the dangers of Antifa. It seems like the violent left is ready to overthrow the government and do a violent revolution. Meanwhile... The motherfuckers who are actually doing stuff to try and erode democracy and take the country over forever are the right to the far right. And this is one of those strategies is basically the very people who are supposed to officiate election results. What happens with those people are controlled by QAnoners or Christian nationalists or fundamentalists to re-rig the system that they believe was rigged against them in 2020. Biden's lead over a thousand now. The new direction of the Republican Party has to do with what Trump and his allies failed to do in 2020. Trump claimed fraud and immediately cobbled together dozens of lawsuits to challenge the vote. And like, this shit is in fringe in America. Like 75% of Republicans believe that something was wrong with that election result. That's one election. What happens tomorrow if there's like 200 contested elections? Well, what happens if there's 200 stolen elections? You count the legal votes, I easily win. Was there any real evidence of widespread voter fraud that these lawsuits were based on? No, absolutely not. These were completely absurd claims, and pretty much all of them got immediately tossed out. And while he did not succeed in overturning the election, he really did succeed in planting the seeds of doubt in our system. So here we are over a year and a half later, and those seeds that were planted by then the most powerful man on earth, conspiracy and victimhood and Did some research in the last midterm election, um, only 14% voted for the governor, less than 1.7 million people decided Greg Abbott, oh my God. Yeah, fuck, vote. <laughs> out in the system. Get out Those and vote. Those seeds have sprouted and spread to every corner of our country. We can never allow an election to be stolen like that. Oh, and this isn't some like right-wing fringe movement who believes this. 71% of Sorry, Republicans, 71%. when asked, say that they don't think that Joe Biden actually won the 2020... <laughs> 15% think it was probably legitimate. 6% definitely legitimate. And then 6%, this one doesn't even count. These are unsure. So you can throw this into these piles. But 25% probably not legitimate. And 46 the majority, definitely not legitimate. The election fairly. 71% when literally... There this is like, that's half the country. This is, this is fucking millions and millions of people. There's no evidence for that. Trump's allies at all levels of power would build a plan, a plan to ensure that this legal flop that happened in 2020 would never happen again. The scam will be before the United States Supreme Court. This is rampant. By the way, so Trump is one piece of the puzzle in this, obviously, and, you know, Trumpism in general. And I still stand by the fact that Trump didn't cause any of this. He's just a symptom of the system. On the other end, you also have, this was a big test for the media. You remember when the election was stolen, shit was coming out, uh, the coup had uh, occurred and all that kind of stuff. The media, including Fox News, were definitely being like, I don't think that we can report on this being a stolen election because it would seem that even the Republican governors are certifying the results. And, and well, there's this phone call of Donald Trump. And he's, he's actually in the phone call asking 
for votes and that's very very undemocratic that's basically a tyrant who would do this he's trying to he's trying to do some kind of a, a i don't know ascension to power that's undemocratic okay we're gonna take a step back and then everyone was like oh shit fox news is a fucking liberal cesspool we knew it now we're turning to the breitbarts the owns the Stormfronts. they're they're the ones who are gonna you know reiterate this point Meanwhile, you've got Glenn Greenwald, who is doing all of his work and effort to make sure that everyone is consistently um, disillusioned with mass media, as if that's already not happened. You know, always is like, well, you know, the liberal mainstream media, uh, they lie to you. Uh, it's completely fine to be skeptical. You should be skeptical. Have you been skeptical? Are you a skeptic about all this kind of stuff? It's a good thing we have alternatives to the mainstream media now and alternatives to mainstream social media as in right-wing alternatives and so that's why he's super happy also he got paid a shit ton but, but super happy to promote things like rumble super happy to promote uh all this alt tech uh because there are places where the right can populate online go into their little safe spaces by the way they don't like to be contested or anything but while they're there they can continue in these echo chambers to be indoctrinated with all of these lies and it's not just the election was stolen. It's that vaccines are dangerous and they're trying to kill you. You know, that kind of stuff. There's a trans ideology. They're trying to trans your children and they're coming for your kids, stuff like that. They're all groomers. Did you know that? Have you heard this? Every single person who's LGBTQ+, they're a groomer. Yes, even asexuals and non-binary people. All of them. Yes, we definitely know what these words mean. Like, it's 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 utterly and completely absurd. But this is now becoming this growing and developing ecosystem where it doesn't matter. Like truth is just out of the window. Science is out of the window. It's it's like we now live in a world where they get to dictate what is and what is not true. And what's even more frightening is that since Elon Musk has taken over Twitter, he has clearly broadcast that this is his intent. The whole anyone who wants it can buy a checkmark power to the people, just give me $8 a month strategy. He's saying out loud and he's called out people who we thought was a journalist, but it wasn't. It was a digital media manager. Either way, I digress. Smartest person in the world, right? He's doing this thing where he's saying, uh, I don't want a small select group of people to determine what is or what is not journalism or what is or what is not truth. I want to democratize that so anyone can say anything about anything and there's no checks and balances, there's no authority. And this is perfect for, again, people who are completely fine with witnessing the march towards uh, proto-fascism because ultimately it protects capital. If you're a capitalist, you're seeing the erosion and decay of society, massive inflation, headed towards uh, a recession, uh, you know, the collapse of all this. You don't want to have people come into power who are going to try and destroy the very system that is continually, perpetually keeping people in poverty. You don't want a socialist to come to power. You don't want a communist to come to power. You don't want someone who is going to destroy the concentration of the wealth at the very top. You don't want that. That's dangerous. That's going to threaten the entire system. What you need is you need to have an authoritarian fascist come into power, and then they can secure that bag. That's that's the whole point of all this. Corruption, and it can't happen. It simply can't happen. Welcome to the multi-layered Republican strategy to retake America from the ground up. Has he actually said that you can buy a checkmark? He's 100% said that you can buy a checkmark. Uh, Twitter Blue for $8 a month gives you a verified checkmark. Anyone can get a verified checkmark on Twitter now. A once, once it's launched. and pretty sophisticated movement to infiltrate this. Oh, and by the way, I'm not a, like I, I I think the bougie checkmark libs is, is fucking. That's a funny meme. Okay, they're, they're all just like my checkmarks with you. But I think there should be a system in place that verifies human beings, not just celebrities, and it should be free. So if you want to say, I am Lance, you have to do the same thing that a lot of online banks require or a lot of online websites require. You have to use an ID, prove your identity, and boom, you can be a verified user of that uh, social network. I'm fine with that. I don't think there should be this weird thing where it's like only celebs get the check marks or only people with, with the, the ability to have like 20 news articles about them can be verified users. I think that is, that is fucking gross and bougie. But the idea that anyone can buy verification for a price, that, that is going to be a fucking nightmare because who's going to buy verified check marks oh you know all those thousands and thousands of bots and troll factories that elon was complaining about because he was trying to be again super brain genius and lower the the value of the shares before he bought it failed horrifically he ended up buying the the company for way more than it's actually valued at um yeah they're the ones who are going to want check marks hey we have a russian disinformation campaign what better way to make it look as if we were actually telling people real news by having uh, an eight dollar a month check mark that's all it costs oh hell yeah sign me up baby there you go. 
crypto pros crypto pros are going to love it yeah it's a verified check mark telling you that you should invest all of your money into this new uh, experimental cryptocurrency uh yes uh, try shitcoin it, it, who knows you could make a lot of money off it i'm a check mark you can trust me look i'm verified strategy is to challenge votes at every level of the system by claiming widespread voter fraud especially focusing on democratic precincts Elon Musk is permanent banning impersonators. Yeah, I know. What who's Elon Musk going after? What 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 is he? What what's the the cause celebra? People impersonating Elon Musk. That's what he's getting so big mad about. Thanks. Something that to be crystal clear, there is zero evidence for, but that 70% of Republicans think is real. The strategy starts with recruiting. Calling voters to get involved here at the lowest level where your vote is cast and initially counted. Recruiting often looks like this. This is a Save America newsletter that Trump sent out to his followers back in February. Trump calls his people to mobilize at the lowest level, the precinct level, to influence how elections are run. We can take over the party if we invade it. Trump says that this is key to, quote, taking back our great country from the ground up. Recruiting is also happening big time in right-wing media, especially on Steve Bannon's podcast. We're taking this back village by village, precinct by precinct, and they can't stop it. Bannon has been telling his legions of listeners to defend- Daniel Radcliffe got suspended from personating Weird Al. I thought that was a meme. Is that is that real? He lost his account? I know uh, Weird Al talked about that. That movie is fucking awesome, by the way. It's really good. Uh, Daniel never had an account. Oh, so the whole thing, I, I thought the whole thing was a joke when I saw it, because I was like, Weird Al's just doing it to, to rip into Elon Musk. And at the same time, his he played him in that new biopic. Their local precincts on election day. We're taking action. And that action is we're taking over school boards, we're taking over the Republican Party through the precinct committee strategy, we're taking over all the elections. Suck on this. I'm going to show you what the end goal is here, because it's pretty nuts. But first, I want it to be clear that this recruiting is actually working. Name me another nation on earth that has... After Bannon's battle cries on his podcast... That's why, like, I... Like, if the only attack you have on Steve Bannon is that he's a giant alcoholic, he's he's an alcoholic, and he's red in the face from the alcohol, Steve Bannon, the man is so dangerous and committed. He is a true believer. This man will not stop until basically America is a fascist fucking uh, technocracy. That that's that's it. That that's the road he's on, and he is. Uh, astute and intelligent enough you know instead of just calling him uh some some old drunk all the time uh to understand strategies that are effective he knew how to utilize cambridge analytica and he's also uh, learned how to uh what is it mobilize online groups uh specifically online uh hate groups and, and uh, people who are being pulled into different forms of the manosphere red pill ideology uh migtau incel culture all that kind of stuff he has learned uh, how to utilize that and use it for political gain and move it all towards MAGA. Uh, and now this next phase that he's been doing for a long time in the, quote, war room of his is to try and get more and more people, true believers, of which there are, as we all know, millions, millions of Americans to start to erode democracy in the country for his benefit. ProPublica found that 8,500 oh, yeah. new Republicans signed up for low-level precinct positions in 41 of the 65 counties they contacted. ProPublica found that there was no such surge among Democrats. What is this pointing towards? What's going on here? You can see this. You can see it in the data. If you have a whole bunch of Republicans and I do mean a whole bunch. We're talking thousands of more Republicans who are signing up to be officiators in elections who are all fucking QAnon MAGA types. What do you think is going to happen? So I'm telling you, this is what should scare the hell out of you. In my precinct, I have 11 slots. I filled all 11 with conservatives. So they've recruited all of these election deniers. A lot of these people have never been involved in politics before, but they've been mobilized, moved. And they think it is their patriotic duty to take back America. Like these aren't high power positions. So I've been kind of skeptical. Like how much can these election deniers actually do to affect the vote? And to get to the bottom of that, you have to look at a PowerPoint slide. This is the next phase of the plan which is to train all of these new recruits. This is a PowerPoint presentation from one of these trainings where local Republican chapters are priming these new recruits to look out for fraud and then preparing them by training them on all the voting rules that can be used to challenge voters. 
I feel the doom rising. You should, though. People should be waking up to this shit. Because at the end of the day, you're always being told, like, oh, you know, the, the, the left is uh, disorganized and stuff like that. It's like, it is true. There is not a coordinated effort uh, on the left to try and uh, affect uh, elections in any way, shape, or form that is tantamount to this. It, it's like, it, it's not comparable in any way. And the thing is... Christian nationalists and neo-fascists, proto-fascists, whatever you want to call them, uh, oh, and neo-reactionaries, don't forget the neo-reactionary movement of the J.D. Vances and Peter Thiels, right? All of these groups do not represent America. Like, the vast majority of Americans are not in favor of, uh, you know, no bodily autonomy for women kind of shit, or that trans people shouldn't exist. That's not the vast majority of Americans. So how do you maintain control and or get more power if you are that extreme, if you happen to have beliefs that are that intense? These are the ways, and it's a multitude of factions, and people online are becoming so dedicated to this. Like, it's very hard to deprogram a QAnoner. It's like, that's why you'll see all these stories where it's like, the QAnoner, I lost all my friends and family, but it was worth it just to be able to know the truth. Uh, you know, my wife left me, my kids left me, all this kind of stuff. Like, they're willing to continue going down this rabbit hole, even though, demonstrably, it's one of the most falsifiable things in human history. You can be like, but everything was wrong. All, all the predictions didn't come true. Trump lost. Joe Biden's the president. Like everything, everything along the way, it turned out to be fake. We we almost know for certainty who some of the people who are doing this are, and they're massive weirdos. Massive weirdos. One of them, one of them may have some kind of child porn online ring. Like these are not, these are not good people. These are very bad people. It, it's not real. But but they're so dedicated because for them to change their opinion on this or for them to see the world in a different light everything will have to collapse around them because they've now indoctrinated themselves the same thing with all conspiracy theorists it starts out because there's a little bit of curiosity some things feel neat they get down this hole and it starts to give them more sense and control of the world which at times seems very scary and uncontrollable like that's why post 9-11 so many people became truthers because the idea of what the reality of 9-11 was, you know, a Saudi-funded uh, terrorist attack on American soil uh, in which thousands of Americans died horrifically, that that whole thing is just like their brains couldn't compute it. It, it was like, it, no, I, like I don't want to live in a world where that's something that can happen. It was it was a controlled demolition done by maybe the Jews or someone else, and uh, they planted bombs, and George Bush was a part of it, but also not, and maybe Dick Cheney did something. I don't know. We'll figure out the details as we go. Yeah, there's a lot of things that are hard to explain. Um, holograms, uh, voice actors, uh, no one's dead, uh, plane landed somewhere else and all the people got off the plane, uh, collective dissolution. Uh, all the all the people who who witnessed you know the thousands and thousands of real witnesses they they all were bought off again by maybe the Jew I don't know but that gives me more control you know that that makes me understand and and uh, feel safer in the world. Votes. This has always been a thing. It's, you can always challenge votes, but it's rarely used because reminder: there's no such thing as widespread election fraud in America. Okay, but according to these people, it's everywhere, and it's their duty to find that election fraud and to challenge votes whenever they have a feeling that there's something up. A complete record of the challenge must be entered in the challenged voters page in the poll book. A record must include the name of the person making the challenge, time of the challenge, name, address, a paper trail. They're starting to make a My oldest son was becoming more and more interested in Alex Jones, this was 12 years ago, and quoted him at dinner. My grandson, then 10, said, you know that's not real, dad, right? Infowars is all lies, which thank goodness because that shook him up. Oh, thank God. Whew, that was close. Paper trail for every vote they challenge, every piece of fraud they think they see. This is where the strategy starts to work, where you can start to gather evidence of observed, perceived voter fraud that could potentially be used later on. Oh, and very important, here at the bottom, call the Republican hotline. Politico got their hands on some leaked tapes from another one of these training sessions, this one in Michigan. Truly, it's going to be an army. We are going to try to recruit lawyers. We're going to have more lawyers that have, than have ever been recruited because that's, to be honest, that's where it's going to be fought, right? This hotline gives these recruits immediate access to a lawyer who is sympathetic to their cause of election integrity, which is just a euphemism for re-rigging the election system. These lawyers will be on call on election day to walk these election deniers through the process of documenting suspected fraud so that Republican Party lawyers will now have a body of recorded 
Like, could you imagine if the left had anything close to something like this in terms of infrastructure? I don't mean to steal elections. I mean as in getting leftists elected in local elections. It is very easy to do because local elections have zero voter turnout. They're like, they're abysmal. It's like 15% and they affect your life, especially police budgets, so much. So if there was media figures of, of the same size of a Steve Bannon, say you had like a Hassan who was consistently like trying to push for everyone to like set up networks, set up channels, set up organizations, connect with each other. And then once this uh, next election cycle comes, everyone help each other, promote this and do all this kind of stuff. This is what Steve Bannon is doing in conjunction with neo-reactionaries and fucking full-on fascists and Christian nationalists. But the guy is trying to steal American democracy from its very fucking foundations. It's wild. Evidence to use to legally challenge the vote if they need to. We're going to have lawyers that work early to build relationships with different judges. Do you see what they're doing here? They're creating exactly what Trump didn't have in all of his failed lawsuits in 2020. In 2020, Trump had to scramble retroactively, top down, to claim election fraud and to challenge those votes in court. We were winning in all the key locations by a lot, actually. And then our numbers started miraculously getting whittled away in secret. This time, they will be prepared. All of this training lays the groundwork to kickstart the process for challenging the election using the tedious, boring, bureaucratic processes at the very lowest level of the election. And like I said, this is what's left of American democracy. Because you do have to remember that under capitalism, you've got all these massive corporations, they have lobbyists, they have capital, and they influence politicians. It doesn't matter if they're Democrat or Republican. Democrats are in line with like Silicon Valley and stuff. That's why they won't pass or use antitrust laws to break up big tech companies. And Republicans are in line with oil and gas corporations because they're like, climate change isn't real. So yeah, that, that's, that's just fundamentally uh, a broken system in and of itself under capitalism. And then what is left? The crumbs. The Republicans in the far right are now trying to basically destroy the system. You fill up all the vacant precinct committeeman slots and form a 75% voting majority at the precinct level. Then they go to their respective meetings where they elect the delegates who in turn elect the state chairman. So that next time around, they'll be in a position to stop the steal. This is boring stuff, I know. Now that I'm starting to understand, it's really not. It's scary as fuck. How this might play out, because this is really starting to terrify me. So imagine an upcoming election day. You're in a Democratic precinct in a swing state, and you go to your local polling station, like at your local middle school or something, and it's packed with a bunch of election workers and monitors who believe in the big lie about the 2020 election. Trump and other Republicans keep telling them that the system is rigged against them. It's a corrupt system, and it makes people corrupt even if they aren't by nature. They have been told that they are what stands between the fall of civilization. And there is no telling with that mindset what they're willing to do to re-rig the system as they see it. You gotta contest every ballot. And they've been told that it's actually only Democratic precincts that have voter fraud. So they're on the lookout. So you can imagine, they're now seeing fraud. The newest Three Arrows vid went into detail, but it's not just the beer hall push or the Jan 6 that secures fascist power, but the slow erosion of democracy and laws. Also something that should be said, I believe it was uh, in Italy, it's a lot of... Um, Small business owners, the the petit bourgeoisie, as it were, uh, that uh, that enable fascism, that that promote and and actively work towards promoting uh, the rise, uh, which is horrifying, obviously. Um, but you're seeing a lot of this play out right now. Everywhere they look, and they're reporting it, swearing that they saw irregularities in the election. Maybe it's a van of people who showed up to the polling place to all vote together. Oh, those must be voters being trucked in from another precinct. They're probably double voting. Oh, look, the poll worker didn't check their IDs very well. They're probably in cahoots together. That person doesn't look like they're actually a citizen. They're probably an illegal immigrant with a fake ID. Democratic operatives are probably paying them to be here. That kid over there does not look like he's 18. We should probably challenge their vote, since he's probably just a young recruit from the corrupt cabal who's been rigging the election system forever against us. We must fight back to save America. So they start invoking all these rarely used official election rules, and they start challenging almost every vote, making voters take these oaths and sign papers, documenting all of this into the poll book, the official record of the voting day. All of these challenges are now slowing everything down. And 
it grinds it to a fucking standstill. And while it's grinding to a standstill, that's when you get your Carrie Lakes who get out there and say, the election was stolen, they're stealing democracy from us, we knew they would do this, can you believe this is happening? And then Tulsi Gabbard comes out of the corner and is like, she's right, she's right, I know, I was a Democrat once, they do this, this is their plan all along. And then Glenn Greenwald comes out of the other corner and is like, well, what they're doing is not something that you should not feel scared about being skeptical about. And then all of a sudden it's like, what is going on in real time? This Democratic precinct, there's now a massive line at your polling place. And so now, instead of just passing out the I voted stickers and monitoring elections generally, these election deniers are disrupting a perfectly normal, free, fair election, all while compiling a body of supposedly official incidents of fraud that are being added to- Alex Jones is already saying if they don't have the re election results that night, you know it's being stolen. They're broadcasting this. I mean, to be honest, it's hard to set up an infrastructure or a system or a play this size without having to basically say it out loud. So Steve Bannon on his show, The War Room, is basically saying, here's how we're going to do it. Here's how we're going to take the uh, our democracy back. You, you all have a job to do. All of you fucking loyal soldiers to Trump. Each one of you has to sign up and become one of these individuals who will have the power to challenge and contest elections. Other reports of fraud happening all over the state because the same thing is happening in every precinct because these election deniers have been planning this for years. They don't have to hack into machines. They don't have to do anything in secret. Purely by being there in vast numbers across multiple counties in important swing states, this army, as their leaders call them, would be able to throw a wrench in this process that has always worked on trust and good faith. The bedrock of our democracy, now breaking down by these people who are now on a crusade to take back our great country by abusing the election system. Okay, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let's just pause for a second and get some perspective here before we freak yeah. out. Yes, this is scary. Conspiracy-minded poll workers and election monitors sowing doubt and creating a legal nightmare. That's pretty worrisome. But these are like low-level election workers. They're like the worker bees on election day. Certainly, there have to be protections in the system to ensure that these bad actors can't sabotage our elections just because Steve Bannon told them to. Oh, they've got a plan for that. Don't you worry. The precinct strategy is just one piece of this. There are lots of pieces that are being put in place. Oh, okay. We're taking 100 seats and we're going to govern for 100 years. The next part of the plan focuses on the technical bureaucratic roles that each state has to run its elections, the county commissioners and secretaries of state. And again, like the poll worker precinct strategy, this part of the strategy is in response to what Trump failed to do in 2020. Joe Biden is edging ahead with 264 electoral college votes. When Trump realized that he was losing the state of Georgia in 2020, he called up this guy, a fellow Republican, Georgia's Secretary of State, Brad Raffensperger. A job that is kind of just like rubber stamping election results, but now suddenly became super important. I mean, you listen to this tape, it's freaking wild. And you've made it almost impossible for a Republican to win because of cheating. Because they cheated like nobody's ever cheated before. And there's nothing wrong with saying that, you know, uh, that you've recalculated. Trump bullies this guy for like an hour on the phone. And then he finally just tells him point blank what he wants him to do. Look, all I want to do is this. I just want to find 11,780 votes. Well, Mr. President, the challenge that you have is the data you have is wrong. Ultimately, Raffensperger didn't bend to the bullying. But what this did is it showed Trump followers just how important this role is of Secretary of State. In most states, this is the person who certifies the final election results. So after this night, you have all of these election deniers starting to run for Secretary of State. I'm Wes Allen, and I've spent years fighting liberal attempts to change our elections. Chuck Gray. Wyoming's proven conservative champion cracking down on election sheets. They're, you know, for low-level technical roles, you know, but suddenly after all the attention on how Team Trump attempted to kind of bully secretaries of state into helping them overthrow the 2020 race, these races are suddenly drawing a lot of notice and tons of campaign cash. One such candidate is this guy, Jim Marchant of Nevada which is a swing state. In 2020, Marchant also lost an election for Nevada state legislature. I was a victim of voter fraud. I ran for Congress here in Nevada and I won election day. I won early voting. Only after two weeks of fraudulent mail-in ballots did I lose. Feeling like the whole system was rigged against him and his party, 
Six months later, Jim Marchant is running to be Nevada Secretary of State. Jim will fight against voter fraud with voter ID, paper ballots, and full election audits. Jim is a winner. Oh, and he actually won the Republican primary. Marchant has said that he would not have certified the 2020 election results. Marchant ran on this platform obsessing over election integrity. The people of Nevada have not elected anybody since 2006. They've been installed by the deep state cabal. Your vote hasn't counted for decades. You haven't elected anybody. The people that are in office have been selected. So how much power does this guy actually have to affect election results? Plenty. As the state's top election official, Nevada's Secretary of State kind of helps set how elections are conducted and is responsible for investigating voting fraud claims. Marchant is just one of dozens of election deniers all around the country running for top state offices that oversee elections. And while some will lose their primary race and never get elected, many are winning in the primaries. Like in Arizona, a very important swing state where Biden barely won. And now, where you have election deniers who have won the GOP primary for all three of the state's top offices that oversee elections. This adds to an already growing trend of Republicans winning Secretary of State races around the country. As your Secretary of State, I will continually work to protect the sanctity of our elections. To see how this part of the strategy works, we don't even have to speculate. It's already happening. Like in this small county in New Mexico, where in these recent primaries, the all Republican election board refused to certify the results because they said that there was election fraud. And they had evidence. This guy, the county commissioner, said that, quote, It's only based on my gut, my gut feeling and my own intuition, and that's all I need. Had told him that something was off with the Dominion voting machines. <laughs> what? Like, these are people in power. Their job is to certify election results. And because of one guy's gut feeling and intuition, they literally decided not to certify them. Oh, and by the way, check out where this county commissioner was on January 6, 2021. I definitely recommend watching the last 15 minutes of Trump's speeches at some point to get the feeling for that rhetoric. It's like his American Carnage speech 100 times and updated for the moment. Hey, yikes. Hi, y'all. We're here at the Capitol. This one guy's baseless gut feeling was enough to sow confusion and doubt in the results. Okay, so now imagine the scenario where it's not just one random election denier in rural New Mexico, but election deniers just like Hundreds him all over the country in key counties and states at every level of the state certifying process. Like, imagine if the Secretary of State of New Mexico hadn't been a Democrat, but a pro-Trump Republican who indulged this guy's gut feeling about the voting machine. Oh, and now pair that with the precinct strategy that we talked about. And instead of one guy's gut feeling and intuition, it's now an army of election workers and election monitors who actually have been documenting and reporting a bunch of perceived instances of voter fraud. Their fleet of lawyers cataloging their affidavits, their reports, all in a growing body of evidence. And suddenly the entire system has been infiltrated. And a perfectly free and fair election could be called into question because this system that was never built to withstand the stress of aggressive partisan bad actors has been taken over with people bent on revenge, placed strategically at every level, all with a mission to re-rig the system and avenge what they believe was stolen from them. It's not work as personified by this it's a scam. I'm not ready for tomorrow. To be totally honest with you, like, goddamn. I'm starting to see it now. I guess my question is like, what are Democrats doing to counter this movement that seems to be quite effective and quite riled up? Is there any way to counter this effectively? You know, you want to challenge every secretary of state race. You want to have plenty of volunteers in uh, election precincts. You want to have plenty of people fighting on the state level and the federal level. It's one big, long slog. It's democracy, and you basically have to take care of it in the long term, or it kind of just falls apart on you. That's because democracy, this thing that we take for granted, is really delicate. It's new, it's not natural. It's this agreement that we've all made to, yes, disagree, but to at least play by some ground rules so that our disagreements can be fought with ideas and with order. So American politics has 
long been a blood sport of sorts. It's always been rough and tumble. You know, it, it has a certain kind of elemental viciousness to it. But if you're gonna have a democracy, it has to kind of operate on certain basic premises. And well, yeah, the other team has to accept election results. The day, when the votes are counted, both sides agree on what happened. If you kind of blow up that basic building block, you're left with complete chaos and it makes it really hard. And that's why Trump was so dangerous was because everyone saw the writing on the wall because we've known Donald Trump for a long time. He's been a very public figure. He's been a New York staple for, you know, as long as I've been conscious of media news, everyone knew Trump. And everyone knew what a narcissist man baby he was and that he like he's he's such a fucking man baby. If he loses an election, he's not going to accept it because, again, man baby. So so that actually poses a real big threat, because if this man baby has convinced other men babies that this guy didn't win the election, then all of them simultaneously are going to soil their diapers and in solidarity and then rise to try and be like, well, we have to take this country back to do a peaceful transition of power. So uh, that was really intense. If you want to watch it or show it to friends, The Real Threat to American Democracy, New York Times Opinion on YouTube, very, very well put together. I am going to say this again, though, because a lot of people are obviously afraid for tomorrow. Vote. Get out and vote. Get your friends to vote. Tell your friends and your family. Get out. Vote. Do harm reduction. I mean, if you have a progressive or a, uh, you know, a lefty uh, candidate fucking base, that's that's a hell, of a, a hell of a privilege to have. But for the most part, I think a lot of you, if you are lefties or progressives, or even if you're sock Dems, you're most likely going to have to do a harm reduction because yes one side is decidedly marching towards fucking christian nationalism proto-fascism neo-reactionary bullshit that is that is just reality um they they are identifying and targeting groups they're going after trans people they're going after queer people they're going after indigenous people they're going after black people like this is what's happening and if you're even not a member of any of those groups uh, as an ally it still i think is is of the utmost importance to help and and to try and do a harm reduction that being said, once the vote is done, and yes, the House most likely will go Republican, Senate could go Republican, might go blue, um, that, that's one tool set that you have, is voting. That's that's just like one little thing. That's It's one day, once every two years in America for some reason, uh, and also vote in local elections are incredibly important. Run in local elections if you can, if you're a lefty, also really good stuff. But there's so many other things you should be doing in terms of like, how do we get power? Worker power, if you can unionize or unionize in your workplace or talk to other people you work with, doesn't matter what the political ideology is, follow the guides that are available on the internet or, you know, exclamation point what to do in the chat to find out uh, a list of resources. But if you can get a unionized workforce and get more worker power, get more bargaining power in your workplace, you are going to have much more time and, uh, to be honest, resources to be able to do even better stuff. Like that is a, such a fundamental first part is you need to be protected you need to have good uh, uh, health insurance, uh, good fucking benefits uh, so you can you know take care of you and your family and all that kind of stuff within the system that we live in. So that is that is going to give you so much more power where you spend eight hours a day every single day or better yet, break the company into a worker co-op. I mean, that's not going to be easy if the if the boss is the boss. But I'm just telling that that is something that's incredibly important. Um Union drives, working towards that. Then also get involved in your communities, get involved in local organizations. There's probably chapters of local orgs in your area you don't even know about. Even if you're in a right wing conservative area or state, like look it up. So there could be LGBTQ plus groups, there could be uh, lefty activism groups, food not bombs, organizations like that, uh, the Democratic Socialists, the IWW. Get involved in your local community. Even if you don't want to meet IRL because you don't like that, you have social anxiety, whatever it is, um, participate in online. Uh, venues and, and activism as well i mean that's don't discount that and not everyone likes going out and, and having to march in the streets i get that but get involved with local orgs and and do projects with them do uh food security deliveries where, where you reach uh, stock pantries uh do direct action where you, where you band together to protest uh or do some other form of activism uh that that as well is is incredibly important um and honestly, that's that's where the the left has power. It's it's solidarity and, and it's and it's um it's working together. Um, so 
yes, there could be a bad election in America tomorrow. It could be that both the House and the Senate go to the Republicans and a whole bunch of really creepy motherfuckers are now going to join the ranks, even more fucking far-right conspir- uh, conspiratorial nut jobs. That sounds fucking awesome. Uh, yes, that that's scary. But again, voting uh, is, is one part of the process. And, and so much of voting is already fucked up. So again, a lot of the power will come in the form of worker solidarity. Tenant unions, labor unions, you name it. Yes, and soup. Good soup. So you've just been listening to an episode of The Surf Times. And if you enjoy it and want to see The Surf Times, you can go to wearesurfs.com or watch the live shows at thesurfs.tv. And also everywhere social media is sold, basically thesurfs.tv. You'll find us there, twitter.com slash thesurfstv, for example. It would also help us out tremendously if you could leave a good review of this podcast if you enjoyed it, either on, I don't know, iTunes or wherever you're podcasting. Apparently it does help. And yeah, we hope to see you soon. To our gods, Xander Corvus and Peyton L. Just, we are prepared to conduct many a human sacrifices in your honor. To our monarch, Tom Spiker, we are but your humble yet incompetent gestures, trying in vain to bring some levity into your life. To our Lord Trevor R., we give you thanks for this meager plot of land for us to toil away our pathetic existence. To our brave knights, Carl Wauer, Tony, DM Rivera, Resident Scarecrow, Sir Nickus, Mayred, Cheryl Alvarez, Ruben Kelly, Brandon, Words Greenwood, Nate, Hegbird Celine, Matthew Scarborough, Stellar Vision, Ariane McCarthy, Daniel Sutton, Walter Smith, Jenna Tao, Quiet185, Anna Loves Riley, Omni, Riley and Anna, Poodlehawk, The Tim Caucus, Multimondi, Trevor Janis, Lemmy101, Anthropophojack, Saren42, Catherine, Ramon Acosta, Incosin, Agent NDN, Violent Orchard, Political Puppy, Andreas Chiringuito, Zach Christensen, Todd Buckingham, and Todd Lajeunesse. We salute our mighty heroes off to conquest some bread in some far-off land.